Okay, okay, we're going to get to the podcast in just one minute. But imagine I gave you the opportunity to invest in Microsoft, in Apple, in Tesla at its infancy. And now you made all this profit and it would be unbelievable. You'd be so thankful and so grateful. I believe that that day is today for Torch. Because for the next 36 hours, every donation you contribute at givetorch.net is doubled by our generous matchers, and you can come in at the ground floor. Yes, last year, over 1 million people enjoyed our podcasts. You as well, I hope. And I believe we can get to 10 million this year, but we need your help. It's only one day a year that we ask. We need your contribution. We need your partnership. We love your partnership and your friendship. Please contribute at givetorch.net, givetorch.net. Every dollar is matched. I apologize for taking your time. Thank you so much in advance for your support. Enjoy this episode. You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. I hope everyone had a lovely Pesach. It is so wonderful to be here. Now after Pesach... It's a very, very special time. The time between Pesach and Shavuot, the Jewish people left Egypt on Pesach. We had the splitting of the sea, and then we're heading towards Mount Sinai. And our sages tell us that every single day, the Jewish people were elevated a rung in their holiness and were removed a level of impurity. And until the Jewish people, after 49 days, were ready to receive the Torah. And that's the 50th day when the Jewish people received the Torah at Mount Sinai. Our sages tell us that one of the most important focuses that is required upon each and every person during this period of time is preparing ourselves for receiving the Torah. What does that mean when someone says to prepare ourselves for receiving the Torah? That means to prepare ourselves with our character, that we become a vessel that is capable of receiving the Torah. It's not enough to just have the will. We have to become a vessel that is able to contain the Torah, that is able to hold the Torah and to live the Torah. How do we do that? That's what we call Musser traits, our character traits, our Midos, which is our characteristics, our character traits. And that's what we need to work on during this, this period of time. During this period of time, the most important thing for us to do is enhance our core, our insides, so that we become a vessel that is capable of holding the Torah within us. That's what we need to work on during these days. So I decided that we should open up the halacha because it's not just me saying this. This The halacha tells us that not getting angry is not just a nice character trait. I learned that by Rabbi Walby's class and the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. He talked about not getting angry because it's a terrible thing. It's much more than that. It's actually Jewish law not to get angry. And to have fine character traits is a Jewish law. And I want to learn it with you. It's from the Kitzar Shulchan Aruch. We're going to learn it from the Kitzar Shulchan Aruch, which is a concise Shulchan Aruch. Simon 29. So this Simon starts with the Rambam's discussion of human characteristics. The Rambam in Hilchos Deos, chapter 1, part 2, Halacha 2, writes that a person may have a natural inclination towards specific character traits, and such traits may be entirely learned behaviors, meaning a person should never say, well, guess what? I was just born like that, so that's the way I am. Ramam tells us that just because you're born with a certain set of characteristics doesn't mean they have to stay like that forever. You can work on them and hopefully 
tonight and over this the coming weeks, we're going to learn the tools, we'll acquire the tools to become a better person. How do we make those changes? So the Shulchan Aruch begins, Anashim chalukim heim pirush betiv ehem. People are unlike one another in characteristic, in their natures. Yesh adam shuhbal chem tamid. For example, one person is quick-tempered and frequently gets angry. V'yesh adam shedatum yushevesolov. While another person is very calm, has a very calm disposition. V'eino koos klal, he never gets angry. Or if he gets angry, it's only once in many years. Very infrequent. Another person may be extremely haughty, an arrogant person. While another in his nature is extremely humble. One person can be an overindulgent, someone who can't control their urges. And his soul will never be satiated in the pursuits of his desires. While another has an extremely pure heart. And does not desire. He doesn't desire even to fulfill what the body minimally needs. So we all know people of each of these categories. We know people who have a certain temperament. People who have a certain way about them, a character. So this is by nature, this is the reality of how the world is constructed. You have different types of people. Like, why can't everyone just be normal like me? That's what everyone's asking. Just normal people. Well, guess what? It would be a very boring place, right? Yesh Baal Nefesh Rechava. One person is avaricious. And his soul will not be satiated with all the wealth in the world. As it states in Ecclesiastes, A lover of money shall never be satiated with money. Someone who desires money, you give him a billion dollars, it's not enough. You give him 10 billion, it's not enough. A trillion, not enough. I want more, I want more, I want more. Yesh mekatzer nafsho while another restricts himself. And suffices even with a meager amount. That does not satisfy even his most basic necessities. He's happy with it. He's content, content with it. And he does not exert himself to even obtain enough for his basic needs. One person afflicts himself with hunger, and accumulates his earnings. Whatever he does consume of his own, he consumes it painfully. While another person freely disperses all his money. So that we're, what we're looking at, if we see these two paragraphs that we just read, what we're seeing is extremists. These are all extremists. And one of the things we're going to learn today is that extremism has no place in Judaism. I was thinking this afternoon, what am I going to talk about tonight? And because today is Yom HaShoah, Yom HaShoah, the day of remembrance of the Holocaust, I don't think one day is enough. I don't think one week is enough. I don't think one year is enough. As I mentioned previously, I think every day should be and is a Yom HaShoah where millions of people were murdered. You know, I want to dedicate today's class to the memory of my grandparents who are Holocaust survivors. And I've been worked up about this a lot. This Yom HaShoah is touching me in a way that None other has previously. Maybe it's just because I'm getting a little older and I'm realizing that while most of my children did see their great-grandparents who were survivors, some of my children, my children, have never seen their grandparents who were survivors. And that's what frightens me. Because 
we all saw survivors. We all met survivors. But the next generation hasn't. And the generation after them may never even know what a Yom HaShoah even was. And what my grandparents did, aside my grandmother being in Auschwitz, and another grandmother being in the Kovna Ghetto, and a grandfather being taken to a, a labor camp in Hungary, and having to walk three weeks in the bitter cold, nonstop walking, to go to a different camp. They couldn't get them a ride. They couldn't get them a, just they had to walk all the way to northern Austria. I mean, I have all the names written down, but it's not, it's not relevant right now. Do you know what the greatest revenge is? Because we can get mad all day. We can teach the world what it means to have real values. Because those Nazis, those Germans, they claim to be the perfect society, the elite society, the perfect race. You want to know the perfect race? Look at what the Torah teaches us and how we should conduct our lives. Look at what the Torah teaches us in how we treat our fellow man. How the Torah tells us to conduct our lives with humility. How to be balanced and normal, not to be crazy, lunatic, imbalanced extremists. Extremism in any way is not Judaism. You see a Torah that gives us instruction of how to live life. And do you know something amazing? Something really incredible the halacha says. That someone who, okay, well, let's talk, give an example from the Torah. A Nazir, a Nazarite. What does a Nazarite do? He says, I'm giving up on drinking wine, cutting my hair, getting defiled to something which is not unholy. I'm, I'm keeping myself away from it. Do you know what happened when he was done? His time of the Nazarite, he had to bring an offering, a sin offering. Why do you have to bring a sin offering? Our sages tell us, the Talmud tells us. You know why he has to bring an offering? What? God didn't give you enough commandments? God didn't give you enough things that are permitted or prohibited? You had to add extra things on your own? That's not the only sin. There's another sin. God gave you a world to enjoy and you are limiting yourself from that pleasure? God gave you wine for what purpose? So that you enjoy the wine. And now you're limiting yourself from it. Don't be holier than God. Don't be more righteous than God. And I think that this, actually in this chapter that we're learning now, he brings it right here. Therefore, our rabbis of blessed memory instructed us that a person not deprive himself of anything besides those things that the Torah prohibited to us. And he should not invoke vows and oaths to forbid permitted things upon himself. For our rabbis of blessed memory said, and this is in the Talmud Yerushalmi, regarding one who invokes such vows to limit themselves from worldly pleasures, does it not suffice for you that which the Torah prohibited, that you must prohibit upon yourself permitted things? Similarly, our rabbis of blessed memory prohibited one to afflict himself by fasting excessively. And with regards to all of these matters and the like, King Salman says, Al Tihit Sadiqarbed, do not be overly righteous and excessively wise. Why be left desolate? And he says, Weigh the course of your foot, and all the ways will be established. Our sages tell us balanced life is the key to Judaism. Extremism has no place in Judaism. You show me 
an extremist, I'll show you how it has nothing to do with Judaism. So what we need to constantly remember, by the way, I think after learning this earlier, it was very clear to me that there's a very strong distinction here between Judaism and other religions. We are required to get married. We're required to enjoy from this world. You know, it's an, an amazing thing. You know, the world is out there uh, worried about people being sober and not being intoxicated. While in halacha, there's, the Talmud says, it's an amazing thing. I, I started doing this recently myself. I'll tell you the story first, and then I'll tell you what it is. You'll understand it yourself. So after the great Reb Chaim Kanievsky passed away about 15 months ago, many videos came out where people came to ask him, what do I do? I don't have any children. I, you know, what's, what's a, a, give me a blessing to have children. What do I do? How do I, you know, doctors say that, you know, we, we're not, we're never going to be able to have a child can give us a blessing one after another, after another. The rabbi said, what do you recite the Kiddush on? And what do you recite the Havdalah on? They said, uh, grape juice. He says, the Talmud says that anyone who recites the Kiddush and the Havdalah on wine is guaranteed to have righteous children. He says, go, recite Kiddush and Havdalah on wine, and then you'll have children. Because if it's promised to you that they're going to be righteous children, then it's obvious that you'll have children. And one after another, people were saying that this amazing Talmud and this blessing of the rabbi worked. But you think about it for a second. The Talmud is telling you to recite Kiddush specifically on wine. While the whole world is running away from things, there has to be a balance. It doesn't say get drunk. It doesn't say drink an extraordinary amount of wine. It says Kiddush and Havdalah. The wine is very enjoyable, but there has to be a balance. Any extremism has nothing to do with Judaism. Nothing. Everything is about balance. There's a right time to sleep. There's a right time to eat. There's a right time to pray. There's a right time to mourn. There's a right time to dance. There's a right time to sing. Everything's about balance. And when do we say that? When do we say that? We say that in, in Kohelas. Right when we're about to leave the sukkah, that's when we read Kohelas. To remind you, guess what? You're getting back to normal, ordinary living. Remember, balance is key. Balance is key. We need to have balance in our lives. All of Torah is about balance. You look at the Torah. By the way, so you're going to say, well, <laughs> the Torah is limiting me because there's a lot of pleasures out there that the Torah doesn't offer. What's the first one people think about? Pork. Ah, ah, we can't eat pork. So what does the Talmud say? We mentioned this previously in our Talmud class. Well, we never recorded it for the Thinking Talmudist podcast, so maybe we'll have to redo it again. What does the Talmud say? The Talmud says there is no pleasure in this world that God limited us from. Oh, but you're going to say we can't eat certain animals. Guess what? There's a fish that is kosher that tastes exactly like the pig. And it was like, wow, which, which fish? There is. They have today kosher mock crab. They have, and they say it tastes identical. I don't, I, it's not my business. I'm not in the food business. So, so what our sages are teaching us is that everything in Judaism is about balance. Is a right way to do it. There's a perfect measurement for everything. Our midos are called midos as in measurements. Too little anger sometimes. Too much anger sometimes. Not good. Has to be a balance. 
A human being needs to be balanced. Let's continue here. So too is it with all other traits and characteristics. Such as to be frivolous or solemn, stingy or generous, cruel or kind-hearted, timid or courageous, and the like. These are opposite extremes. Number two, halacha number two. The good and proper way is for a person to accustom himself to follow the middle path, or as Rambam calls it, the golden path. That is, not to desire anything besides those things that the body requires and cannot survive without them. As the verse states, A righteous person eats to satisfy his soul. The difference between satisfying the soul and satisfying the body. You know, one of the most beautiful blessings we have in Judaism is the blessing on the fruit tree, which is recited during the month of Nisan. This month that we're in right now is when the when the trees start blooming, and there's a special mitzvah to go out and find the fruit tree and to recite the following blessing. Here we go. Look at this. Listen to the beautiful blessing. Blessed are you, Hashem, our God, King of the universe, for nothing is lacking in his universe, and he created in it good creatures and good trees to cause mankind pleasure with them. Lehenos bahem b'nei Adam. Do you know why God created trees? Why God created fruits? Why God created, I want to read to you one of my favorite pieces of Talmud. And I want, I want you to understand this following blessing. We have six blessings that we recite before we eat. Foods. We have the hamotzi on the bread. We have the hagafen on the wine. We have the mizonos on the pastries, on the cookies. We have the haets on tr- things that grow from a tree. We have the ha'adama, which things that grow from the ground. We have the shahako for things that grow, things that don't grow from the ground, things like meat and chicken and, 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 and fish and eggs and candies. All of that is shahako. So what blessing do we recite after? After we eat food, there are three different blessings. There's the birkatamazon, which is the grace after meals, which is really Four different blessings combined. One, it's a long, the Birkat Amazon, we have it right there. And we have to understand also, there is a biblical commandment to thank Hashem after you eat food. Okay? It's a biblical commandment. What exactly we say, our sages, the men of the great assembly, constructed a prayer for us. They constructed a prayer for us, exact words, why? We're going to see this when we start, God willing, soon. We're going to start our prayer series. I'm looking forward to it. I'm working on it hard. We're going to talk about why there is a certain structure to prayer. It's like when you touch a computer key and you press the letter B. What does the letter B do? It's a bunch of O's and ones, zeros and ones that the computer interprets to be the letter B. It's all zeros and ones. Your whole computer is filled with zeros and ones. That's it. But how does it know? Well, it knows because someone programmed that. Someone created that A should be A and B should be B every time you type it. And when you do certain things, it manipulates things. Like when you click your mouse on something, how does that work? Well, someone programmed it. But why did they do that? Because they wanted to help you. Because they already did all the shortcuts so that when you click, it'll automatically create a whole set of things. Our sages did exactly that with prayers. They created the exact weaponry that is required for our prayers to be answered. Thank you so much. All right, so let me read to you the after blessing for... For simple things, 
for meat for 37A. So well, let's go back again. So we said there's the Birkata Mazon, the grace after meal, that's only after eating bread. Then we have the Mizonot, right? Which is all of the pastries, wine, any of the seven fruits of the land of Israel. That you say another blessing, which is called Alamechia. Or Me'en Shalosh. Or it's an abbreviation of the long Birkata Mazon, longer. And then there's a very, very short one. How many words? 22 words, the whole blessing. I'll read it to you in Hebrew. I'll read it to you in English. Baruch atah Hashem alokeinu melech haolam borei nefashot rabot vechesronan alkol ma shebarat alahachiyot behem nefesh kol chai baruch chai haolamim. That's it. What is that in English? Blessed are you, Hashem, our God, King of the universe, who creates numerous living things with all their needs for all that you have created with which to maintain the life of every being. Blessed is he, the life of the worlds. How do we know to recite this blessing? Talmud. The Talmud, it's in every Siddur. The Talmud in Brachot. So the Talmud here says that this is what we should recite after eating certain foods. Listen to what Tosafot, which is the commentaries on the Talmud, what they say about this blessing. He says, God created a world where there's a minimum that we are required for sustenance. That if you don't have them, you can't survive. What is that? What can we not survive without? Bread and water. We can't live without water. So you imagine, imagine you buy a goldfish and you don't feed them. What's going to happen? They're going to die. So God created us, put us in this world. He has to sustain us minimally with what? Bread and water. That's it. For we cannot survive without them. It's impossible. We cannot survive without bread and water. And for everything that God created to make life beautiful, klomar, that even if God did not create these things, the world will survive in a very beautiful way without them. Because why did God create them then? Why did God create them? We can live a perfect life with just bread and water and that's it. So why did God create them? Only for pleasure. God created the following only for pleasure. You know, what's the difference between luxury and necessity? Luxury are things you don't need. Necessity are things you need. Do you know what a luxury is? Something you don't need. You want to know what that is? Kigon. Kimotapuchim. Apples. I don't live such a luxury life. Oh, do you have an apple? That's a luxury life. I'm not talking about Apple computers. That's luxury on luxury. Kigmotapuchim. Apples is considered luxury life. Bananas, luxury life. Grapes and all the other beautiful fruits and vegetables, luxury life. Vikayotzebehem. And all the other things like apples. Umisayim, and we conclude the blessing, Baruch Che Haolamim. Thank you, God, for sustaining this world. Not only does God sustain this world, God sustains this world with the finest quality equipment. God says, I want everyone to enjoy, not just enjoy bread and water so that you can sustain yourselves, so that you can have delicious coffee and you can have tea. Every morning when you drink that coffee, it shouldn't be like, oh, I can't survive without my coffee. No. It should be, God, thank you, thank you for giving me a luxury life. Thank you for giving me a life that is filled with your kindness. You created this for me to enjoy. I love you, Hashem. Thank you for giving me an enriched life. Oh, do you know how many struggles I have? Do you know how challenging it is? 
Guess what? God didn't need to give you more than bread and water. And he didn't. He did anyways. He gave it to you. You know why? Because he loves you. Because he felt that enriching your life would be the greatest thing for you. Giving you more than is required. More than is necessary. Allah now continues. The good and proper way is for a person to accustom himself to follow the middle path. That is, not to desire anything besides those things that the body requires. What's that that he requires? Bread and water. And cannot survive without them. As the verse states, a righteous person eats to satisfy his soul, not his body, his soul. Similarly, one should not toil in his business activities except to obtain what he needs for his current existence. They say about the Chavetz Chaim, most of the time when people would come to the Chavetz Chaim store, he was, he was a shop, he had a, a supermarket, not a supermarket, a mini market. But most of the time when people came to the Chavetz Chaim's store, it was closed. Why was it closed? He had made enough money for that week. He'd close the store. He had a sign at the front of the store, go across the street. The guy across the street is selling great produce. He's selling great things. Go buy from him. Chavetz Chaim would open up the store Sunday morning. There'd be a line out around the block. Everyone wanted, who wouldn't want to buy groceries from the Chavetz Chaim? It's like, go shopping, get inspired. You know, it's like, what an amazing opportunity to see the Chavetz Chaim. Chavetz Chaim understood that. So first it was open just a few hours and then it was less and less and less till he had enough for that week and that was it. He closed the store. The next week, same thing. As long as he had what he needed for Shabbos and that was the end. Oh, you should imagine you open up the the stores all across Europe. It'll be the Chavetz Chaim, you know, grocery, the Chavetz Chaim supermarket chain. No. You know, there's a story they say, this guy was once re- retired man. He's sitting on his boat and he's fishing and he's catching good fish, catching good fish. Like a yacht passes by. And looks at him, he's catching one fish after another. He says, you know, this is amazing. I see you're catching fish. You're so good at fishing. He says, why don't you buy a bigger boat and catch more fish? He says, and then what? He says, and then you'll be able to sell it and, you know, make all this money. And then he says, and then what? He says, and then you'll be able to buy more, more boats and catch more fish and make more money. He says, and then what? He says, and then you'll be able to sell it and, and retire. And then what? And sit in a little boat and catch fish. We sometimes don't think about this. But the world we're living in is a world that is so perfect for us. And yet we're pursuing something that's only going to get us back to where we're at right now. So you made all that money. And now you sold your business for who knows how much. And now what? Go back to catching your fish on your little boat. You have the ability to have that kind of that shalvata nefesh, that, that calmness, that peace of mind, by not going out and pursuing all the crazy things of the world. What do I need? God will sustain me for what I need. Don't get me wrong, it's good to be ambitious. It's good to be a go-getter. It's good to go out and to pursue things. Yes, very important. But there should be a balance. It should be a goal. It should be a focus. One of the great phrases that Rabbi Noah Weinberg of blessed memory from Esha Torah, Yeshiva Esha Torah in Jerusalem, what he would say all the time, he says, if you don't know what you're ready to die for, you haven't begun living. What are people ready to die for? Their job? Their career? Most people not. What are they ready to die for? My family. So why don't you live for your family? Come home early and have that catch with your child who wants to have that baseball catch with you. Go swimming with your kids. Go play board games with them. Oh, all the things we'll do when we make all of our money. And then what? They're all gone. 
If you don't know what you're ready to die for, you haven't begun living. Because live for the things you're ready to die for. You're not ready to die for your job? Why do you live for your job? Now, I meet a, I meet a, I learn with a lot of people out there. Many of them are older people. I tell them, don't ever retire. Don't retire. Your work brings you joy. They don't need more money. But that's not why they're working now. They work to keep themselves busy, to help more people, to give them inspiration. It's important for a person to stay busy all the time. King Solomon tells us in Proverbs, Adam la'amal yulad. A man, mankind, was created to toil, be busy. If we're not busy living, sadly, we become busy dying. It's so critically important for us to have a mission, to have something which is important, to know our career is not our life. If our family is our life, then let's live for it. The halacha here continues. One should not toil in his business activities except to obtain what he needs for his current existence. As the verse states, Tov Better is a little of the righteous than the multitude of the wicked ones that is great. They have so much, it's not good. One should not be overly tight-fisted, nor should he freely disperse his money. Sages tell us that the righteous are very cautious about every penny because every penny is a gift from God and not to waste it. That doesn't mean that a person shouldn't be giving charity. On the contrary, that's a good thing to give it to. Rather, he should distribute charity according to his means and lend money appropriately to those who need it. A person should not be frivolous and lightheaded, nor depressed or solemn. Rather, he should be content all of his days with pleasantness and a cheerful disposition. The same applies to most other traits. One who follows the middle path is considered a wise person. Allah here tells us how critically important it is to be balanced. We're going to repeat it again and again. Judaism is all about balance. There is no extremism in Judaism. So what are the exceptions? Achagava himidara meod. Arrogance, however, is an extremely bad trait. And it is prohibited for a person to exercise this trait to even the smallest degree. Rather, one should accustom himself to be humble in spirit. As the sages of blessed memory commanded, Be very, very humble in spirit. So how do we do this? You remember a while ago, we did a podcast, we did a class on the letter of Nachmanides, of the Ramban. And in that letter, the Ramban gives the secrets to how to attain this trait. And he says as follows, How should you accustom yourself to be modest and humble in spirit? All of your words should be spoken calmly. Your head should be bowed with your eyes looking downward while your heart is directed upward towards heaven. And you should consider every other person as being greater than you. For if he is scholarly, more scholarly than you, you're obligated to respect him. And so too, if he is wealthier than you, you're obligated to respect him. Like we see, Rebbe would respect the wealthy. Presume that he is indeed worthy of respect for being that Hashem, may he be blessed, granted him with wealth. God thought he's a worthy candidate to distribute his money. He is most likely deserving of it. 
And if he is neither as wise nor as wealthy as you, presume that he is more righteous. Why? Because if he commits a sin, it is considered unintentional and involuntary out of lack of knowledge. But you, if you sin, if you sinned, you are considered intentionally sinning. If you think this way at all times and view your fellow as being superior to you, it will be impossible for you to become arrogant and it will be good for you. Sages tell us how important it is for a person to stay away from arrogance. Because arrogance leads to a lot of terrible things. Someone who's humble doesn't get angry. It's only someone who's arrogant who gets angry. Someone who's humble isn't jealous. It's only someone who's arrogant who's jealous. This is the key to having a very, very happy life. I told you, I told you this previously, that when we were in yeshiva and we were working on many of our traits, as a team, as a group, as a vad, We went to my grandfather to get guidance for each of the traits. What do we do? How do we work on this trait? How do we work on that trait? And when we came to ask him about arrogance, he said, arrogance you don't need to work on. He says, as soon as you get married, your wife will take care of it for you. And I think it's important for us to realize that arrogance is a trait where a person feels that there's no one above them. It's all me. Look how well I've done for myself. There's an arrogance. It's me. You know this yarmulke that we wear? It's called Yare Malka, fear of heaven. It's to constantly keep a person humble that they recognize that there's something above them. It's to put a person into their place. We need many, many reminders to keep ourselves humble, to keep ourselves in the proper place so that we don't go out of control and feel like, hey, the whole world owes me because look at me, I'm so great. It's critically important for each of us to know that everything we have is from Hashem. You have the gift of wisdom. Who gave you that wisdom? You're so smart. It's a gift from the Almighty. You have great health. You have a beautiful, beautiful life. You have the uh, the award, the beauty pageant. What did you do for it? Guess what? It's a gift from Hashem. You have great athleticism. You have great talents. You're musical. Where do you get that gift from? God could have easily made you tone deaf, but he gifted you. He gave you the ability. Recognizing where everything comes from. So too, anger is also extremely evil, a trait. And a person should distance himself greatly from it. And one should accustom himself not to get angry even concerning a matter where anger is appropriate. And if the need arises for him to display anger in order to instill fear in his children or in his household, he should merely give the appearance of being angry before them in order to admonish them while inwardly his mind is settled. Let me give you a perfect example for this. You're wondering, why should anyone put fear in their home? A child runs into the street, God forbid. The child needs to be alerted in a very serious way that this is really dangerous. So what do we do? We yell and scream. Are you really angry? 
No, you're just terrified for this child, God forbid. Getting hurt. Someone's doing something unsafe. Likewise. The idea here is when you want to instill so that the child understands the right path, the right thing to do, what is the wrong thing to stay away from. It's not about instilling fear for the, for the sake of just frightening people. That's not the, it's about keeping people on a guidance, on a path of the right and the wrong. Inside, a person should never be angry. Outside, you can portray a face, an external of anger. Elijah the prophet told Rabbi Yehuda, the brother of Rav Salah the pious, do not become enraged and do not sin. Do not become angry, for anger leads to sin. Do not drink your fill, mean do not become intoxicated with wine, and do not sin. Why? What will happen when you get drunk? You'll come to sin. You'll act in a way that is frivolous, a way that is unbecoming. People say things when they're drunk that are inappropriate. It's like no boundaries. It's like everything is just okay. It's like the the, uh, the Torah teaches us when it puts the story of the accused woman, the sota, She's being accused by her husband of having an affair, an adulterous affair. She says, never happened. He says, it did happen. So what we know the whole process, the Talmud, the, the Torah tells us exactly, they go in front of the court, and the court melts God's name into a into a water, and she drinks it, and if she was innocent, she'll be blessed with the most incredible children. And if she was guilty, her stomach will explode and she'll die. God says, I want my name to be erased. For what? For what? Hopefully for the sake of peace. Hopefully for the sake of peace. But you know what's also incredible? What does the Torah put right after this? The story of the Nazi that we mentioned previously. I say to say, why is one portion juxtaposed right next to the other, the other portion? Say, just tell us. Because if someone had to see a woman in that situation where she's being accused of having an adulterous affair, you know the next thing you need to do? Stay away from wine. Why? Because what got her to that terrible state? She went to the bar maybe, got a little drunk. You had to see it. It's a lesson for you. It's a lesson for you. Our sages tell this to us in many, many places. Everything you see is a message. Everything that God puts in front of us is for us to learn. If God put that in front of us on a television screen, on the internet, wherever it is that we see it, it's a wake-up call for us. It's a wake-up call for us. You know what comes from wine? Sin comes from wine. In addition, our sages of blessed memory stated, one who gets angry is as if he worships idols and all types of Gehenim dominate him. Shinemar, as the verse states, banish anger from your heart and remove evil from your flesh. Because as our sages tell us, Ra, whenever it says the word Ra, evil or, or bad, it means nothing other than Gehenim. Shnemer v'gamrashal yomra. Everything Hashem made, He made for His sake, even the evildoer for the day of retribution. Ba'alei kas ein chayim chayim. The lives of the quick-tempered are not lives. Lefikach tzivu lehisrachek or minakas. The rabbis therefore commanded us to distance ourselves from anger, to the extent that one accustoms himself not to be affected by even those things that normally arouse one's anger, to completely numb yourself from getting angry. This is the proper way and the way of the righteous, who suffer insult but do not insult in response. They hear their disgrace and do not reply. Someone insults you in public, 
someone angers you in public and you don't respond, such a person is forgiven of all their sins. They perform, they perform the will of Hashem with love and are content with suffering, with the suffering, that pain, that discomfort, that someone rebuked them in public, someone embarrassed them in public. Regarding such people, the verse says, And let those who love God be like the powerfully rising sun. And it says that they're forgiven of all their sins. Forgiven of all their sins. The only way we can live a healthy life spiritually is when our midos, when our character traits are in balance. When our lives are in balance. Because extremism isn't Judaism. There is no extremism in Judaism. In other religions, some people don't get married. You want to be you want to be spiritual, you're going to have to abstain, complete abstinence from everything. On the contrary, in Judaism, you have to be married, you have to be normal, and you have to be healthy. And you have to eat and you have to drink, and the halacha requires you to drink wine. Not every day, not all day. Don't go running around getting drunk. But there should be balance. Whenever there's an imbalance. Extremism is not Judaism. Hashem should bless us all that we should, God willing, attain these traits, attain these incredible, proper ways of conducting life. God willing, next week we'll continue with the second half of this simon in the Ketzer Shulchan Aruch, where we'll learn different traits that he tells us to focus on that will help us hopefully prepare ourselves even more for receiving the Torah. Amen. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcasts.com.